I mean, this is a this is a weird question for me. Uh, it, it should be a weird question for every single person. No, I know. Like, I'm not really sure what to do with that I, one. No, I haven't talked to my mom in like uh, like eleven years. Oh, deliberately so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did she ask you the same question? No, no. She's like, I'm your girlfriend. She's stuck in my body. is the Bill Squire Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bill Squire Show. I am your host, Bill Squire. I'm here with Tommy L.C. Hi. And Pants. I'm not a fucking cop. Not a fucking <laughs> cop. And we got a special guest in with us today, uh, John Nix. Hi. Woo! Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate you stopping by uh did you uh, celebrate saint patrick's day in any way we we all went no. pretty hard no no i just made corned beef and watched uh bad movies what, yeah. what bad movies bad Irish uh, movies no no uh the 90s spawn movie hell yeah <laughs> so, it's irish enough yeah <laughs> it'll pass what's oh, it michael jai white is that yeah 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 uh, martin sheen has like martin the most sheen. hysterical goatee in that movie oh and he's, yeah he's just chewing the scenery in it uh, <laughs> john leguizamo i love that movie like john leguizamo is great in it yeah he's, I, he's I the love best that. part of it yeah for sure it was such a gruesome like gritty like there wasn't really a, an R-rated comic book movie yet when that came out. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think Blade had come out yet. No, I think Blade was three or four years later. Yeah, and so it was just pretty violent and like the special effects were cool enough, especially for that time. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that movie. Oh yeah, they, I mean they ran out of. You can tell that they ran the out of money. On yeah, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my favorite like weird fact about it is like the devil's face, like the CGI devil when he goes to hell. Uh, is like leftover CGI from them working on uh, uh, American Werewolf in Paris. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was like this, like this shot they had. And they're like, I don't know, you can have this, I guess. Since you're <laughs> we'll make this work. Yeah. Didn't that movie come out like in the eighties? No, no, in Paris, like the the weird oh. not, like late nineties post scream sequel. Oh. Yeah, that was the one with. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I was like, man, that's like long. Who was the one that was in that? That was uh, he was in a bunch of stuff in the nineties. And then, what was his name? I gotta look that up now. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but he was that very like Boy Meets World kind of leading man. Yeah, yeah, for then. sure. Um, this is everyone's favorite part of any podcast <laughs> when someone goes to look something Google up. It. I don't, I don't got a guy to look it up that, for that me. That Spawn movie definitely benefited though from sort of being years ahead of the the Marvel Cinematic Universeication of Hollywood, where they could get away with that movie kind of doing whatever the fuck they wanted. Mm-hmm. There's really no market for stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And if it made any money, they're like, hey, we did it. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Did, Tom Everett Scott was the guy. Tom Everett, oh, okay, yeah. That was a 90s ass guy. Yeah. <laughs> was he the, was he the, the movie um, The O'Neaters? That yeah. That thing you do? Okay, yes. yeah. Uh, yeah oh, that movie too. That, yeah, that's a very good, um, the, yeah, the Spawn movie though, did, Tom McFarlane didn't come out of pocket to make that, did he? I'm not sure. I don't I know think so, I, no. Because I, I, I don't think he... I don't. I don't think he came out of pocket to make it. I think uh, studio acquired the rights in New Line, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I can probably I, look it. All he's up. been trying to make another one for years. Like every once in a while, he'll drop out of the woodwork and be like, "It's coming," and then nothing yeah. happens. <laughs> so I, I mean, learned that. I learned that move from from various other businesses where it's like you're just never doing it, but as long as you say you, it's coming, then, then maybe someone gets interested enough to throw you money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I think because the the CG on the VFX finally caught up to the point where I think a lot of people 
I would like to see a Spawn movie be made with 2023 uh, visual effects. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Not the PS. I would like to. Who who would you <laughs> want to direct it though? Panos Cosmatos. It's <laughs> <laughs> good pick. Well, no, I mean, who, who uh, is that? The I don't know. Who Mandy and um, oh, okay, um, yeah, um, fuck yeah, beyond the black rainbow. Fuck yes, I love well, that. Because like, he would. I don't. You can jump in anytime mm-hmm. on this, John. Yeah. Like I, I don't think he would. Uh, John is a filmmaker, a... by the way. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're. we're do... <laughs> He's not just. Yeah, just guy. No, but John, like, because uh, Panos Cosmatos probably wouldn't want to want a two hundred fifty million dollar tentpole movie, right? Like, he'd want to make. Like, he, I feel like he would, honestly. I, I feel like, like he's no he, strings attached. Well, there's always strings attached. The, well, se- well, the second yeah. you have a budget that big, you have to worry about like hitting a wide enough audience. Well, and so. with with the MCU and all these cinematic universes, there's nineteen probably plot points that they have to drop, and they're like, "Well, wait, you have you can't do this. You got to do this mm-hmm. fan service and all this stuff." Yeah. So, but with Spawn, I feel like. Or, like, I think you'd rather, and maybe you could relate, would you rather take, like, $30 million and be able to do whatever the fuck you want? Or yeah. would you want, like, a $300 million movie where it's like, if this does not open for $800 billion <laughs> open weekend, you're never working again? Yeah, I would never I would never want that pressure. I, I, it's a like, lot. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like hell. And then, especially if you're working in the world of, like, Star Wars, you just get death threats for the rest of your life from like <laughs> crazy fans. They're just like, How dare you put a woman in your movie? Yeah, right. um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think that uh, I saw a black person speak and they're in space and I don't like it. All right? binary Ewoks, yes. but uh, but no, I mean, like that sweet spot, it, like that dream spot that they barely make movies at anymore is like 30 to 60, where like the Coen brothers are at, where, yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's. You, it's a it's a low enough risk. You can have a, like a real voice in your movie. You can take real risks, but at the same time, like you have enough budget that you're actually like everyone's gonna see it. It's mm-hmm. not gonna be a thing that people don't know about. Sure, I mean, because I mean, yeah, the thing about it doing it, like I I passed on project recently, a design thing where it was it was basically like seemed like a decent chunk of change, but regardless of how cool the outcome would have been, I know I would have been subjecting myself to at least. Six to eight weeks of just turning my replies off to anything I tweeted or anything I posted because it was going to be one of those things. But no matter what, it was mm-hmm. like kill yourself, sucks, hate it. Here's <laughs> this is what I, you know. Oh, just, so you you wanted to do some pants preservation instead of uh, taking that risk. It just wasn't like you can there's, pussy there's, move. There's, there's, a price, uh, <laughs> there's a price I will literally just put up with being roasted all yeah. day long. For but it's got to be pretty high. This wasn't this did not yeah. close. But that's well, that's what Star Wars money will do for some people. Mm-hmm. They're like, ah. Eh. I'll I'll get this check and then but then there's a lot of people that they're not getting the big Star Wars money they're just getting like a good check and then there people are just coming at them like the girl in what's it called uh, Obi Wan like they just people just hated her and I'm like well, you guys didn't even give her a chance to like let her character develop or anything which mm-hmm. she ended up being pretty cool and just people are just such assholes yeah there's, yeah there's a price tag that that I don't. I think I'm saying I don't think she got that price tag. No, no, <laughs> it's it's tough. It's it, because just regardless of how good something might be, when you attach it to a property like Star Wars or Harry Potter or whatever, people have already they already come to the plate deciding what they want it to be, and if it falls just right or left of that, you're fucked. Yeah, you have a million people's individual head cannons to deal with. Yeah, and, yeah, and it's, it's just like and no creative person ever, no creative person I know ever goes into that. With that mindset, you you never get anything done if you're trying to think about what is this person with 72 followers on Twitter with uh, his a dog avatar going to want to see in this? It just doesn't. <laughs> you can't ever create shit like that. 
Uh, John, what's your favorite movie? Uh, it's probably There Will Be Blood still. Okay. So. That's a I've been updated my like, okay, top yeah. list. For a that's time. that's one that I still haven't gone back and given a rewatch. Like it was Me like neither. the watch the first time, very powerful film, but it's you know it is a lot, mm-hmm. and so that's not one that I've been able to go. And there are movies like that where I can go back and watch again and again. I just haven't gone back to that one. Uh, what set it apart for you? How old were you even when that came out? I got two thousand seven, so uh, nineteen. Okay, when it came out. Uh, I've, well, I've been a longtime fan of P.T. Anderson in mm-hmm. general. I mean, he's one of those, like, wonder kind guys who just, like, came out of the gate at, like, 24 and, and made, like, make... masterpieces yeah. out of the door. Uh, and that is, like, a real important moment in his, in his career where he, like, kind of shifts in style, becomes a little more slow, mm-hmm. like, really has, like, Really deliberate, mm-hmm. really, like, isn't worried about going at a Hollywood pace in storytelling. Mm-hmm. But in that film... If you went at the pace that executives would have want, like if you were, you know, if they were like, "Hey, we got to tighten this up, we got to bring it down," I it it loses what made it so eerie and and powerful. Yeah, yeah, and I and at that point in his career, he'd gotten really away from that. He really started out being like a Scorsese imitator, for like mm-hmm. lack of better words, like uh, like Boogie Nights and Magnolia both have very like Coke Scorsese. Vibes oh, very much, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then once he hits which punctual, they're very yeah. fun though. Like yeah. those are and oh, those they're are, great movies. They're great yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. and they're they're super fun. But they are very yeah. They definitely he hadn't found his full voice yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Punch Drunk Love came out, and everyone hated it. I <laughs> fucking loved like, it. Oh, it's amazing. I yeah. love that movie. When I saw that movie, so I, I served a mission in the Philippines for two years for the Mormon Church, and we weren't supposed to watch movies, but we were disobedient. Like I was like, <laughs> the, the ringleader. It's a whole thing. Uh, this like disobedient. Mormon missionary faction. It's it, it. We should make a movie about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm but, fascinated by Mormons. Yeah, uh, <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah, really, great stories. Yeah. yeah, but what that was one of the movies that we watched. Like we would just buy like pirated DVDs mm-hmm. from the like you know the street vendors, and my friends like or all these missionaries were expecting to be like a uh, very standard, goofy Adam Sandler movie. Because they didn't know this director, and I was like, "Guys, that's not what this is gonna be." And we watched it, and they were all like, "That was so fucking stupid." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? That was amazing." Yeah. And so I, I yeah, I love that. Also, one that I, I I've watched it once since then, but not one that I go back and watch a bunch. But it's it's a it's a great movie. Yeah. It's funny that that would be like. Well, I guess they weren't like outright banning it for you, but it, there's like nothing really that salacious in that movie. Outside, well, outside as missionaries, we weren't supposed to watch any movies or TV. Gotcha. So like it, that was yeah. Uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty, pretty strict stuff, man. Why'd you, why'd you leave? Uh, cause my parents said, if you don't do this, we don't love you. Uh, they, they didn't say that outright, but that's what they make you feel like. It's a, like I said, we, we go to a lot of dark places uh, in this film. I grew, I grew up Catholic, so we're very wishy-washy. Yeah. There's no, there no pressure like that. I was like, yeah, you want to, yeah, whatever. So, yeah. But see, and that's what I, like, that would have been so much easier. But like, I mean, my parents are still very hardcore mormon like it's they're very into it like that's like like my dad's so devoted to it that like it kind of gets in the way of his actual how good of a person he could be if he wasn't focused on this other shit but we can get mm-hmm. into that another time <laughs> uh, that's, uh, we don't need to do a bill's the therapy hour the movie. yeah right yeah, yeah uh so then you start what what made you like pick up a camera what what, what was all that um, um, I mean, honestly, it's all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not like 
I was really into hand art when I was younger. Uh, I kind of wanted to do animation. I kind of wanted to be a writer. So, I mean, it's it's all a whole kind of like slurry. Yeah. Film, it kind of has all the disciplines in it, depending on what you want to do in the, in the film world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it's always been my favorite art form. And I've never wanted to do anything else. Yeah. Like, well, seriously. That's awesome to, to have that goal and then be uh, able to, like, go towards it and do it. That's, that's mm-hmm. incredible. And it's kind of what... The, uh, the documentary that you just made, uh, well, I guess it came out last year, but you're, like, touring it now. For yeah, it, well, it premiered stuff. last year. It premiered in November at Sound Unseen. It's, like, yeah. this uh, film festival devoted to just music yeah, at, uh, in Minneapolis. And it's called Don't Fall in Love Yourself. Mm-hmm. It's about Justin Pearson, who is in a band called The Locust, which is, like, a noise, hardcore band. It's it's They're not well-known amongst most people, like, they're not, but... Within the hardcore scene, they have definitely carved out uh, a fan base and and just a respect from people for doing something that wasn't really happening in the hardcore scene. And you get to dive into that in this uh, documentary. Documentaries are a whole nother level of filmmaking that's overwhelming to me. Like I I, I got into stand up because and you know doing podcasts and stuff like that because I need things to be more immediate. Mm-hmm. The the amount of discipline it takes to to make a film, to write a film, to do all that stuff is overwhelming for me. Being able to think of something funny and then later that night go say it on stage and be like, ah, yeah, that's a, that's a dick. <laughs> like yeah. it, that That is uh, really beneficial for how my brain works. So I'm very intrigued by filmmakers, and I love cinema and film and even just popcorn movies. All, I love it all. Uh, but documentaries are so scary to me because if you're making one, it can just suck you in in a way, especially when you have so much source material. Because, I mean, Justin's a very, very unique guy, very interesting guy. He's been through a lot of experiences that are traumatic. He's been through a lot of experiences that are one of a kind. And you are trying to tell those stories without uh, – losing the theme of of your of your uh film and mm-hmm. that's and you did a great job of that because you ha- you. you hit all those notes and you you bring up these things and they and it all kind of blends together and uh you know tells a pretty great story of who this artist is thank you so. i appreciate it yeah um but did you feel like yeah. you were gonna get lost in it and like you would never uh, <laughs> no like uh, i'm i'm just kind of used to it okay <laughs> yeah my first uh full-length uh it's called Beyond Barricades. Uh, it's about anti-flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took seven years to finish oh, yeah. and like release. Um, and it was just like this ongoing thing we were doing for years. Uh, and this one was going to be much quicker. We yeah. had it basically done right before COVID. We ran a Kickstarter to get like finishing funds to finish it all up, pay yeah. for the sound mixing, all that. We we're gonna fly back out to California, get some big like names that I'm bummed couldn't be in it. Uh, and then everything just shut down the week we were supposed to fly out to California. Um, so we just kind of sat on our hands for like an extra year or so. I did some Skype ones and then and like mailed out some like camera packages to people so we could finish it up. And yeah. now it's like finally out. It's also been done for a little bit longer, but the way that film works and it's really frustrating because it just like is delayed even 
you right. know, that's normal the, people That's, know. again, stuff it's that like, would make me yeah. insane is yeah. someone it's that like, needs instant gratification. Yeah, it's been done since, like, last summer. I've yeah. only changed, like, a tiny, tiny little bit about it. But the problem is, is, like, you have to finish it all the way, and then you have to submit it to festivals for, like, 90% of them to reject you. Yeah. And you have to wait, like, six months to get those rejection, get rejection letters. letters. Uh, so it's one of those things where, like, it's been done for a while, and, and then now it's finally coming out. When you were going through all the archive footage that he had, first of all, I was surprised that he had so much considering he had such a tumultuous hardcore lifestyle where he was basically living in these flop houses with other people. And he had quite a bit of uh, video and, and uh, memorabilia from all those days. Mm-hmm. Like all the, like some of the records that he still had, that was really cool to see yeah. that like he, he made this record and he's still got one like that, yeah. that, that stuff can get lost in uh so easily so when you're going through all that footage how much was there and how how hard was it to kind of find stuff that you could use uh it was it wasn't hard at all i mean he, i have this thing where like i don't know why people trust me <laughs> uh he just like so he agreed to the project and he's like well, what do you need do you need like you're gonna need b-roll for it right and i was like yeah and he's just like okay here's all of my tapes for the from the last like 30 years yeah you have them please have bring them back in one piece <laughs> So I had, I had like over 150 hours of footage to go through just from that, like not. Okay, and anything. the the fact yeah. that you're like, oh, and that was easy. 150 <laughs> hours of footage, and it's not all. Awesome. I mean, the anti-black one had like 350. Okay, so well, it's even worse. yeah. So you you you've watched a lot of stuff, and then you know, just knowing some of the stuff that I've done, like keeping yourself from rushing through that, and and just going, oh, I got enough or whatever, and like in and, and having the patience to watch all that stuff. In case there is some gem in there, that's that's impressive to me. And like that, that's the patience. That's you know, as you call it, a discipline. It really is a discipline to sort through all that stuff because mm-hmm. if you don't, you might have missed the good thing. Yeah, with, with the fact that like, so most of that footage was recorded in mini DV or VHS, and the mm-hmm. way that you import that is you just have to do playback. Yeah. Like, there's no faster way. Right. So uh, it's. From that angle, it's less that I had discipline and more that I was forced into just okay. sitting there while it imported. And so instead of just going like, well, I'm just going to go watch TV while this does this and I'll check back in an hour and a half, I was just like, I'm just going to sit here. Sit here and I'll take notes on the whole yeah. thing, log the time code, and then that way I have my first pass notes like before it's even on the hard drive. Oh, that's a great that's way smart. to go yeah. about it. Um, how did you get introduced to the hardcore scene? Because it seems like you've done a lot of stuff with... Uh, music videos. I, I'm friends with uh, TJ, the bass player in Cloud Nothings. I've oh, yeah, yeah. directed uh, a lot of stuff for them. Uh, how did you find yourself in that kind of music section of filmmaking? Where I mean, you did the anti-flag documentary. You've you've done a ton of music videos. Uh, is that just go hand in hand with the passion of music and film? Yeah, I mean, I've just I've always been super into music, mm-hmm. like obsessive. I try to listen to. And it's much easier now that it's on streaming, but I try to listen to as many albums a week as I can, like new ones. Oh, wow. Even though I re-listen to a lot of stuff that I like. But um, filmmaking is hard to, like, find excuses to do things, and especially if you're trying to do narratives. I mean, it's just so cost prohibitive anyway. And I'm the kind of person that likes to just be busy all the time. Like, I'm not... I, I'm not super careerist in the sense of, like, what's my next move and being, like, strategic. I'd rather just, like, have a bunch of shit happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, can I curse? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I wasn't trying. I think we started um, off saying I'm not a fucking cop. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, so yeah, so, I mean, it's a good excuse. It's like, I like your band. We're friends. Like, let's do something. And mm-hmm. so I approached it from that. And, I, and I'm also of the mindset of, like, work begets work. Like, 
if you sit there and like sit on your hands and are just like, oh, I have this great screenplay and I wish someone would give me money to make it. Like you're never going to get it made just by like sitting there hoping that like an angel investor comes. Right. And, like, yeah. Meets you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's about doing the work and getting out there. And there are different levels of like a lucky moment, but you have to kind of be in that place to have the luck. You know, mm-hmm. it, for me being a comedian, I had to be out at the clubs. I got to be on stage. I got to do that stuff. Still for, doing the work. It's yes. Not just luck. It's, yeah, it's yeah. still it's still doing the work for for pants. It's you know, he's got to be <laughs> out there creating content, whatever it is, whether it's uh, energy drink reviews or uh, your little sketches. Uh. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what, my little doodles. I mean, what I what I envy about what John does is because I don't have this, is you have to be like an archaeologist and you have to be basically like a forensics person when you go through 150 or 300 hours of footage. Like, you enjoy that to an extent. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not like the thrill of a lifetime by the time you're seven or nine hours in. (laughs) But I don't have that, like, where I can't do video stuff. Yeah. You know, like, I have to have my brother handle that because I don't have the patience for it. I don't. Like, it's like... I'm very immediate with mm-hmm. what I do, and I'm fortunate that it works that way. But for for what you do, and for what directors and and, and documentarians do, like I just I'll watch it and go, I could never. I don't have the muscle memory for that, and I don't have the the discipline for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is people looking at it as a whole, and like, yes, it's a lot of accumulative work, but at the same time, it's like me working on it after work for yeah. years, and like you know, an hour here, two hours here, an hour here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and enjoying that, and then also, and like, that's the only way to do that. So, yeah. just break it down to tiny things, which yeah. is like, well, today I'm going to go through this part of it. You right. know, I'm going to try to do this scene. And then you spend eight hours like trying to get like a minute of good stuff. That was one of the things that was so helpful when I learned how to look at things that way and be like, I don't have to do the whole thing right now. Cause if I just do this thing, I'm going to feel good that I got that much done. So, like, you know, there's a lot of little business parts of stand-up, whether it's, like, writing contracts or, you know, just uh, making flyers. Whatever I have to do, I, I used to get overwhelmed and just be like, ah, I just won't even do it because that was a fucking point. And now mm-hmm. uh, that I'm, like, more disciplined in that, I see how much it helps and, and just puts me on, like, an, and it keeps me productive in so many other ways because I'm like, oh, I got that done. What else can I get done? So it's it's nice to, to have that motivation to do that. Um Going back to to the film though, first of all, I love the title of it. Oh, thank is you. that is that yours? Uh, it's the name of uh one of the songs off of Retox's second album. It's okay, one of his band. It's like a more straightforward hardcore band. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just like a track off of Lucky yeah. LL. It's a great great name. Uh, and it sets the tone for the documentary. And when you're going through Justin's early life and his home life and how tumultuous it was, and the traumatic event of his dad getting murdered i was ex- like i didn't know anything about justin so i went into this i didn't even watch the trailer i just went in cold mm-hmm. uh, i like doing that with films especially documentaries because i feel like sometimes you're you're waiting to see those things you saw in the trailer and you're trying to match it all up for sure so so watching this without uh having seen the trailer uh really just you know you, you're kind of drawn to justin right off the bat just with his like who how you introduce him and then he's talking about his childhood and uh, you can see him kind of downplaying these pretty incredible moments mm-hmm. that are he does it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think, but I think that's what he had to do because they were so traumatic that he mm-hmm. just had to be like, "Yeah, my dad got drunk and got murdered." Like, I, I don't know how do you like that's that could have put him in such a different path, and the fact that it pushed him into, you know, 
a tumultuous but artistic lifestyle was uh, what had me hooked. Was like, okay, my my dad was murdered. I didn't really like him anyway, but I still, you know, he's still my dad. Mm -hmm. And how that uh, just, you know, is still sitting with him. You can see it in his eyes, like that. You you can't really ever let go of that, even if you, you know. And so I just, I thought you did a really good job of handling that very heavy uh, aspect of his life. Yeah, I mean, I've at this point I've had a lot of practice with it. Uh, there's always those like interviews for i mean not even just for documentaries i mean i work in marketing and there's mm-hmm. like i've done like medical mini docs for yeah. hospitals or whatever uh and it's always just like okay now we're going to talk about the worst day of your life yeah <laughs> uh let's just get through yeah. this together i tr- when i do that stuff i try to like have them recount it like logistically and then go over the feelings of it yeah. but i don't like lingering uh i don't like like trying to get people to cry on camera i think it's like and I and gross, I, unless, I, I agree with that. Happens, yeah, if it happens know? naturally, if it's organic, that's one thing. But if you're just prodding, and that's why I like that you left uh, some of your interview questions in there because it gave us the tone of how you were speaking to them. Because I think there's a lot of people that when, uh, you know, I think it's kind of a thing with filmmakers like, oh, you should never hear the document the the director's voice and yeah. like and I, I think that was good that you left it in there because it showed that you were speaking to him with uh genuine interest and concern and not just trying to fucking get him get him to start crying on film yeah yeah i mean and there were just like a lot of really funny like behind the scenes things that kept happening yeah. during shoots and all these all those dudes that's the irony of this is like it's really antagonistic antisocial music where it's just like people are barfing and naked on stage yeah. like all this kind of stuff uh but they're like every single person we interviewed was a sweetheart and yeah. like they're all so easy to get along with i'm like well it's because they get now. it out yeah exactly you have to deal with like a level-headed person that makes like some kind of approachable thing and they're just like a crazy person it's so hard to deal with <laughs> well there has to be a self-awareness when you yeah when you make music like that and when you're part of that scene so yeah and also when you're just barfing and shitting on the stage it's, yeah it's not like a dude's gonna walk in and sit down at a, on a casting couch and just be like hold on and just barf all over <laughs> yeah well and that was well, one of the things that i thought was really interesting is is the evolution of uh the locust because I didn't really know anything about this band, but you know, there he was talking about doing weirder things and, and and being more experimental and talking about his, you know, how he liked Devo and and then when you see him start to implement that stuff and the pushback by the crowd and the fact that they dug their heels in and were like, "This is what we're doing. Fuck off if you don't like it." Mm-hmm. And then people go, "Oh, that's even more hardcore than stand up here," <laughs> and you know, a dirty tank top that they're 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 telling us fuck you they're not telling everybody else like they're they're really digging into this and having a good time with it and then when you see them transition from creating their own stuff into working with record producers it takes it to a whole nother level because they're they're realizing that this sound that they were working on is there it's absolutely Mm -hmm. there and, and it when you know you listen to the albums that uh, were produced and and recorded properly. Uh, it's it absolutely is the the sound that they wanted, and it was cool to hear the hardcoreness with the you know weird synth and moog and all that stuff. Is I I dug it, even though I'm not into that kind of music. I I appreciated the process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 
pants would have more to say about it than me just because I think it's uh, more more your era. But like, yeah. I I kind of miss that whole like every single person the crowd is like in George's crowd killing all the time like it's, aspect of it. It's where, a colossal balls. Yeah. It, I, I want to say they started wearing masks around what oh three oh two I, earlier than that I think. The, yeah, just the the hardcore scene whatever you, whatever you want to compartmentalize that scene as was such a serious cool guy. Yeah. Hard nosed scene. So to put masks on and sort of be do anything outside of just wearing cargo shorts and black t shirts right. was would be received hostile. You know, I just yeah. Remember, and, yeah, like, and, they, and they're in short shorts and they all weigh like a hundred yeah, pounds soaking right. wet. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, like, just, none the, of them had muscles. The, the, the scene around that time was just so very it was almost easy to be provocative in a sense if you were willing to have the balls to do what the locust did yeah and it you know it, it is just there was there was clear boundaries and lines and hardcore has always kind of been that way and so i remember because I, I saw them and stuff and i was kind of like you know i was like I, I i don't know if i loved it when i saw it but i was like yeah it's anything different compared to what just you know the same five dudes with shotgun haircuts or fucking you mm-hmm. know crew cuts it, it's okay this is this is something I'm at least giving credence to and paying attention to. Yeah, and I think it's funny how ahead of the curve they definitely have proven to be just because, you know, I've met older hardcore dudes that are still kind of ambivalent about it, still have kind of their same opinions from when they were 20. Yeah. Uh, where, like, you look at Zoomer bands, like, any Zoomer band that I end up having, like, conversations with are like, oh, fuck, you're doing that? Like, yeah. it, like they all love it, like, and they all kind of get it because especially when you look at, like, where hardcore and noise and just like antagonistic alt music is at right now, like it's all in that same kind of vein of like we're gonna be super sarcastic up here, but we're gonna be brutal and proficient, and we're just gonna like have fun with it and we're gonna be inclusive and not like macho about it. Yeah, and that's kind of who they were, and like they kind of paved the way in that. Uh, and so it's it's cool to see that, and then also just see who who he was outside of the band and how he really was just kind of this nice willing to be funny dude like the the whole jerry springer thing i i saw that episode mm-hmm. i remember seeing that yeah, so do, so do i yeah before it, i ever knew about yeah i didn't know anything I, I, I just still, remember seeing it i didn't like when when that came on when when the, he mentioned that he got this call from his friend and like we're gonna go on jerry springer i was like oh, i knew i knew exactly who it was because <laughs> i we had the like the uncensored version of that tape uh me and my buddy would watch that and it would ju- we would just fucking laugh our ass off at that. So it was it was crazy that that was such an impactful thing uh, back then, especially because there, like you had to either get it like the you had to rent the uncensored Jerry Springer stuff, or you had to catch a rerun. This stuff wasn't on the internet yet. I mean, mm-hmm. the internet was there, but it wasn't. You, know, you weren't passing videos around really yet. So the fact that it was he could walk down the street and people would recognize him from that had to just blow his mind and be like, that's so silly. Yeah. Well, and it's that thing, and that's. It, I think it's still there for older generations, where it's like, oh, you're on TV, so it's legitimate. Like yeah. somehow, th- somehow you're more real than if you were, <laughs> like being acknowledged in any other space. Right. Yeah, I think. I think. I think. Still to this day, when something that's so fringe and so on the outside ends up in a weird, just completely different context, like the mainstream, that's like people immediately take notice, mm-hmm. even if there's mm-hmm. only like that, 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 that vague understanding of what they do. Um, and then he gets into the the voiceover stuff, and uh, it was overall it's it's a very interesting documentary, and I, I really enjoyed watching it. And it 
was paced well. I got to give you credit for pacing cool. because you. I think there's some, t you know, especially the way we see documentaries now on Netflix where it's just recap after recap and they're just trying to mm -hmm. get three or four Stretch episodes out, out of it. Hours. It's like, yeah. oh, fuck that <laughs> shit. It's, it's nice to have a nice tight documentary that mm -hmm. uh, is tells a fun, like not a fun story, but like an interesting story. Yeah. And, but it is, there's a lot of fun stuff in there. Though. Like it's, that's the thing about this documentary is there's so many, there's a lot of ups and downs because there was a lot of trauma and a lot of pain, but they, you know, they were still hardcore punk kids out there having a good time. And it took me back to some of those days, you know, at the fantasy in Cleveland, just losing my mind. And I wasn't ever into like hardcore like that, but even like, just getting in a mosh pit at a pop punk show was always just so, such a relief of a moment. All right, let me uh, set these back up <laughs> and on the hour. Ooh. Is it every like hour? About a, it's uh, the locust in front of an iHeart radio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a weird thing where, like, the first hour things switch off more. Hmm. Gotcha. And there's no way to fucking fix that. It's just built in. Yeah. yeah. So I try to always do it. So I didn't do it the first time. I, I see. Oh, it, so it was something you could. Okay, got yeah, it. No, got I it. I have it. a little workaround. I just didn't do it from there. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> so if you were a furry, what kind of animal would you be? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. Yeah. Oh, you checked it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got uh, Pandy Savage over there. Yeah. What was Bob yours' name? I don't remember. You don't remember your name? I don't remember no. yours either. I just what know your cat. Uh, oh, 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 it was something. It was something... not Nirvana. Uh, it, was not... <laughs> it was not Nirvana. Well, I don't know. It was probably something basic. I'm so close to remember ambiance. No. Ambiance? Huh? <laughs> no, it was not ambiance. I, I have no memory, and I have not. Uh, I'm so bad. To that. My, I'm, I'm, I'm so slipping into like dementia in my 40s. But I remembered for some reason what your, your furry's name was, and I'm so mad that I can't remember. It's it. gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't remember either. Mine oh, was... oh, you know what? Was it Twilight? It was Twilight. It was Twilight. 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 Yeah. The worries yeah. why? Yeah. I, we context clued yeah. our way yeah. to that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. And I was uh, a <laughs> Chancho. No, Chancho. 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 Chancho the rhinoceros. Binoceros. Binoceros. Thank you for listening. Uh, Appreciate yeah. that. All right. What what animal would you use? <laughs> I, I don't know. You're like, you, I have no idea. I'll put you on the spot here. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't. <laughs> Just pick one. Do you have an animal, uh, favorite animal? Yeah, I like octopuses. Ooh, that could be a fun one. That could be a really fun one. Especially if you got into the real sexual part. The tentacles. I always wish I had extra hands. Tommy loves a tentacle. Tommy's got some. Well, thank you for listening to the show. Yeah, not the tentacle one, the furry one. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a fun episode. I mean, I was in the last few. Oh, okay. Okay, great. It's been since you joined. Like, I didn't know about it before then. So. Yeah, well, thank you for Thanks. checking it out. Appreciate it's, it. Uh, it. We have a good time. Uh, I went back and was, like, just going through Facebook memories and stuff like that, and there was an episode when AJ was still on uh, where he posed a question, and I figure it's a tough enough question that we could probably rehash this. Uh-oh. Nobody was I on? No, you weren't even on yet. Okay. So it was, if your girlfriend and mom... Switched bodies. Oh, no, I was. I, you I, were like, I know. You like joined a few. <laughs> yeah. After. Yeah. Your girlfriend and mom switched bodies. 
I was on the only way they sure. can switch back is by having sex with one of them. Which one do you have sex with? <laughs> Would you have sex with the mom in the girlfriend's body or the girlfriend in your mom's body? Yes. John? Oh, okay. I go first. Uh, You're the guest. I mean, I mean, I mean this, is a we- this is a weird question for me. Uh, it, it should be a weird question for every single person. No, I know. Like, I'm not really been, sure what to do with that I, one. I, no, I haven't talked to my mom in like, uh, like 11 years. Oh, okay. De- oh, deliberately so. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of, like, Did she ask you the same question? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, She's no. like, John, I'm your girlfriend. She's stuck in my body. <laughs> no, no. I, as far as that kind of stuff, she like... I went to Catholic school as a kid, uh, and like my mom's go-to move, like basically every day, was she's just like, "That priest didn't do anything to you, did he?" <laughs> and it's just like, "Why are you paying money to send me here? You're right, like, you're you're that we're gonna ask here. every you a, know about this, <laughs> right? Like, well before like the Boston, uh, yeah. it, like Globe did all the reporting on it. But then on top of that, like we could use this money. This would be better put to other things. <laughs> anything yeah. show, to show that you care about your son. Right. Yeah. Like, I think it's that like, oh, you'll get a better education than mm-hmm. at, like a Florida That's public like school. Taking your kid to the <laughs> zoo and throwing him in like the grill pit like you didn't get your arms ripped off by that chimpanzee. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, want to make sure you're okay. So you didn't answer the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tried to you tried, tried to get around it. Enough yeah. to dodge it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I uh I guess my girlfriend's body, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I know that's that's what <laughs> I would have to say to inside your girlfriend's body. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't want it's the girlfriend's body. Yeah, I'm yeah. troubled by how quickly I came up to with what my answer would be. Is <laughs> it the same? Yes, because yes, because it would be my girlfriend's body. Yeah, and then I could show. This is so fucked no. up. <laughs> you can show uh, your mom the video. Good, your fucking son fucks. Yeah. <laughs> Marcy. I can't say that's kind of that's kind of the same answer that I had. Yeah, check this was like, uh, like oh, that's an ego but thing. But Dad never made you come like that. Definitely texted my mom. Do not listen to this one. <laughs> All right, we're live streaming it to her right now. <laughs> that's why I blocked my parents on everything. Like we have, uh, I, th- th- we're not estranged, but there's definitely. I'm like, stop, don't. Support me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't just encourage this. Don't, don't. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely believe in like healthy boundaries. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just like yeah. I think parents are on a need to know basis, and people that want to like tell them every aspect of Dude, their life are weird. To me. It's so like, weird to me because uh, I know people that they like when they're like everything they do, they talk to their parents about, and I'm like, that's not a, like they don't need to know. You're all an this adult. Stuff. They don't need to know about your sex life, or it's. In, I get like if you're seeing someone for a while and you're like, it's been a year, might might as well. Tell right, them. but yeah. like, t- but I mean, I mean, they're like having in depth conversations mm-hmm. and like, like it's you know, like they're pals rather than uh, a parental relationship, and it's just very strange to me. But even like that, like gossipy and like like involved in their work too much and stuff like that like the the boundaries just aren't there well you guys yeah. clearly don't have jewish mother so. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, we have they're i'm not talking blow by blow stories with mom from yeah uh, sex stuff but yeah it's I, I like for a long time i didn't tell her anything because i didn't want to are you sure you want the girlfriend's body bud <laughs> <laughs> well no not to not to make it about me but it's uh it, like for years decades i wouldn't talk to my mom about shit i wouldn't share anything about my day because i was like what's interesting about this like nothing crazy happened and stuff but then yeah. when i i was dating somebody and she was like i talked to my mom about everything and it was like i go it was like a light bulb and i go oh it's 
it's kind of a bonding thing, isn't it? And then I kind of learned a little bit about it. So yeah, that's not because my my mom's so religious that I can't talk to her about stuff because we're we're so far away on things mm-hmm. that it it's just not. And and a lot of stuff I would I don't know I don't I don't need to share a lot of stuff because I share so much already. So there's a lot of things that I like to keep to myself in a way, mm-hmm. just where I'm like I know how I feel about this. Well, healthy, mm-hmm. healthy boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I'm not the healthiest, but they're they're good enough. You're fine. Uh, all right, how do we ask Tommy this question? Um, Is it dad and boyfriend? But like your my dad. dad's dad. So. Yeah. <laughs> High five, dad. Yeah, dad, love it. All right, quit bragging, guys. No, <laughs> I know. My dad's no, pretty. Un- still be my dad could be dying no, right now. All right. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's going to be the same answer. Not not anything exciting. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. To look at their parent, at their mom's face while they're railing. Banging, yeah. I just shut well, up. Well, one of the reasons but, I think that I want to like right. right, but also like, what if you wait? Is it the mom's personality still? No, 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 no. So if, it's like they're like whoever like Freaky Friday. you are. Yeah, Freaky <laughs> Friday. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So right. like, if I was to choose having sex with my mom with Danny's personality in my mom's body, I'd have to somehow get turned on by my mom's body, and I don't. Think no, I no, could exactly. Do that. Yeah. Like but, I just don't, and or. What if I got too turned on by my mom's body? I don't want to learn that about myself, you know. Oh, so I, I don't even like stepmom, mommy. Oh no, I don't get that either. either. Like, so I'm not turned on by any of that. So yeah, no. it's very like the 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 visual of it. Yeah, just that's a non-starter. Yeah. I All right. Can't. Do you feel? How do you feel about like the friend's mom though? Banging my friend's mom. Like. Though, so so like you're oh, over playing yeah, video yeah, games oh, in the basement. Yeah, and, the, and then like the hot mom comes down and <laughs> she's like, like, like the more traditional the son, milf. The like, son's like 31. A yeah. non-relative milf yeah. is fine. Yeah. That's, yes, yeah, that's, that's a-okay. Yeah. Just no, like it, it would no have incest. to be, there's any point of relation, it'd have to be like fifth cousins, not by law. Okay, it, like, fifth is that's what pants is. Yeah, pants is, is, anyone, is fifth. Uh, fourth, anybody okay with anyone? four? <laughs> well, I was just watching an episode of New Girl, and there they had uh, a episode where she breaks up with a guy because oh, they are third yeah. cousins. And I look over at Danny, I'm like, we reckon up with, we find out with third cousins? And she's like... Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> well, that's how you know you're in love. I, yeah. I don't, yeah, no, it's, it's as long as there's no familial relation, yeah, that's, that's. But that's the whole, yeah, but like third cousins, pretty far, actually. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know enough this, about how math works, but it's still I, I feel, like if I, there's blood, if there's blood mingled at some <laughs> point, not to get too Game of Thrones about it, yeah. I'm just, it's like, oh, it's not, I don't well, you're against it, so factors, you're not. Like, if you're gonna have a kid, I was gonna like, say procreation is yeah. like, yeah, 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 for that sure. That becomes an issue. Like yeah. that's that's kind yeah. of yeah. But, but I don't want kids, and I don't want to fuck any relatives. So I, I don't. Say, <laughs> you guys are so boring. Not, at one point, did <laughs> right. I ever think about like go to any family or <laughs> 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 You know, you want to? As a David Tell fan, I must say I stand by his joke. What is he? He's like. Fuck, I gotta, I gotta look it up real quick, because uh, it's so good. Now I will say, I had a moment on a dating app once, where I don't know how. The, I think I found out the last name, but it was like the last name shared by like the maiden name on my mother's side, but there, it just, I was like, there's no way this person's related to me. I've never seen this person. I was like, 
And then I was like, I could feel myself slowly swiping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, don't do it. You're like, yeah. I was like, fuck, just let it rip. Fuck it, I don't care. <laughs> We'll, we'll did they match? Out of it. No, of course not. It's me. Because you're related. No, because you're related. That's why <laughs> they did not match. Yeah, no, they know you and are like, absolutely circle, not. I would have got a lot of texts from a lot of, like, aunts and uncles. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, thankfully, I, I think we're in the clear. Yeah. I think you'd be, you would have a really good dating profile. I feel yeah. Like you, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I... Sh- and <laughs> now, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's, <laughs> the thing is like, so like, I'm, it's me, right? And it's like Cleveland. It's like the smallest dating scene on mm-hmm. the face of the fucking planet. So it's like, it's like, yeah, anybody that's like vaguely familiar with it, it's like, oh yeah, that guy. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, what's it where green flags he's looking for? You just got out of prison. Great. Yeah. Okay. Uh, nope. Next. Yeah, it's, it's, doesn't, yeah, no. All right. I found mm-hmm. the joke. It's uh, I think pot should be legal. I do. I also think if your cousin is super hot, you should be able to fuck one time. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Attell, the greatest. He's the greatest. Well, if Dave t- says it's cool, then. Yeah, right? Does does change your perception, right? Words are powerful. Great jokes can yeah. really change my life. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's what makes a joke so great is when it can really change someone's mind about something uh, they had a pretty staunch view on. <laughs> I have really militant views on not fucking my cousins. Right. And then, and then I went and saw Dave Attell and he's like, you know what? You know, Dave doesn't drink anymore, so he must be on to something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's making some good points. Have you, uh, outside of uh, like filmmaking and, and uh, photography and stuff like that, have you dabbled in the world of comedy at all? Have you, are you? No, no. Yeah. It's, the problem is, is I think I would want to deliberately bomb too, too much okay. to make it enjoyable for anybody. But even like <laughs> enjoying it, like you know, whether it's podcasts or certain comedians you enjoy, like like who who's on your list for comedians uh, that you like to that you've either gone to see live or you 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 know yeah eat up all their stuff. Uh, I love I love Eugene Berman. Like I've been oh, a long time fan forever. Like I found him in high school off yeah. of like his YouTube videos. Yeah, and I was just like, who is this person? Eugene Berman is so um, fucking John, funny. Like, how yeah, old yeah. are you? Uh, 34. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing a show in Brooklyn, and he, Eugene was on it, mm-hmm. and and he was just, like, it was one of those things where, like, I had to be cool. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> like in the green room with, like, Eugene Merman and, like, Mark Maron's there, and, like, it's, it's, it's a pretty great lineup, and I, I was just like, oh, what, what you working on tonight? And then Eugene tells me this story that he's going to do about getting a parking ticket and, like, a little vacation town and this back and forth with it and it was like a 15 minute long bit of him just going like writing letters back and forth to this town and it was so fucking funny yeah he's such a he's such a creative and like funny like he, he just takes chances and it's so like heartwarming at the same time love eugene Murray. Uh, yeah Great all, all his like written his like formal written jokes are yeah. the best like yeah. where he's just like oh, i'm gonna oh i'm gonna write a letter to the guy that runs this apartment building or yeah. like whatever <laughs> every single one of those is great um the I love- story about meeting the kid with autism at the bookstore yeah like that's the like why is everyone looking at him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh, yeah it's great yeah. um i love kyle canane too oh canane's uh, got a I mean, new like- special coming out on uh March 30th. So when this comes oh, out, yeah. it should be. Oh, it well, it's it's available to buy now on uh, pre website, and then you can watch it on YouTube for free on March 30th. And did you do you did some work on that for him, right? No, I or I mean, the I posters. Did, or he he took a he took a sticker design that I made a while back and he used it as for the stage back, backdrop. Oh, that's what it was. Which was okay. cool. Like it was yeah. like you know. So yeah. Yeah, that's very. But cool. no, I I Kyle's my 
favorite. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like, I have your poster yeah. hanging up I, in some one of our rooms. Yeah, it's yeah. Not he, in my he room. just he he could put out seventy three more specials, and I don't feel like any there will be zero drop off ever with anything he does. The beauty of Kyle is he does such a good job of finding the joke that like he he can find something in in a mundane topic, or he can tell a story, or he can talk about something controversial, and do it in such a funny way without it being just, you know, going for the grown laughs or going for the, like, you know, you can't cancel me laughs or whatever. Like, he's he's just very clever with it. And I think the story about him uh, getting a blowjob from a girl that's mentally handicapped is, like, a perfect encapsulation <laughs> of that. Where yeah. he's never – it's never making fun of her. It's no. always back yeah. on him. But it's still an incredible story. No, he toes the 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 hardest of lines. Yeah. With, he doesn't ever come close to punching down, but he'll dangle it out there because I the I don't think he's ever recorded a special where he tells that story, right? Because I've, I've heard it. It's on an album. Yeah, because like, I've seen him do it his, live. His last yeah. one. Where he just goes. I just remember he just like he talks about it. He goes, he's he does it. I'm gonna fuck it up, but he goes. I'm gonna explain what happened. You know, because <laughs> yeah. there was like a the entire room just there's a yeah. silence. He goes. I'm gonna explain. Yeah. And then it's like he goes off on what feels like a 30 second story, which he really does like a 14 long, minute long. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable. I it's for me, it's like I I really like art that straddles high and low at the same time. I mean, it kind of goes along with the doc, but like, uh, I like stuff that's like very populist and like confrontational, but at the same time is like highly educated on the back end of it. Yeah, and I for me like the Canadian joke that like I quote constantly is his like tow truck one he's just like i saw a tow truck towing another tow truck and i thought wow what a great symbol for how pillars of strength sometimes need help themselves but then i just turned to my friend and i said look at those two trucks fucking (laughs) 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 and that's uh that whole i think that that's lost on a lot of people Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of people you know especially we talked about it in the episode that uh comes out next week or you know, it'll be out now uh, when this comes out about Chris Rock special and how he starts with the cancel culture thing and how that's more marketing right now than it is actual a, a topic that we need. Like the, the cancel culture thing's not happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just a disingenuous way to be like, oh, I can't say this. Well, I'm going to say it. And it's just it's so boring and it, and it lacks that uh educated or you know however the smart way you said it yeah yeah yeah. i mean i yeah when it comes to like the whole one i don't think cancel culture is real i think like the only time it works is one if there's like criminal charges against you which is not cancel culture it's you get get hit hit with justice i believe for your your shitty actions uh but then the other thing is like unless like the only other circumstances like if you can get a person's audience to completely disenfranchise them which doesn't happen at this point because people can just like vice signal all day long right and be like yeah i did cheat on my wife yeah i did launder money what are you gonna do about it it's my my, it's like the whole andrew tate thing where it's just like no matter how bad it is just be like no it's not wrong right like so i just like i don't buy it as a real thing it feels very uh suburban and lame to me and yeah, like, yeah oh i'm being so edgy look at me <laughs> well, that, i'm shoplifting well, like it has like, that vibe to me it's also like the sign that like you just don't have anything left to learn about yourself mm-hmm. in the world mm-hmm. you occupy where it's like it took me like 20 shots of jameson i was talking to a girl about the rock special and i just go i was like you just can't like it's like when you were a fucking hundred millionaire 
and you know you're single and you can afford you know like all the greatest like health care in the world and everything and your kids are taken care of and your ex-wives ex-wives are taken care of it's like who are you talking to like how are you relating to anybody and how can anybody relate to you when you've been untouchably rich for decades mm-hmm. and it's like what what are you talking about your life that anybody can there's no commonality there yeah well and that's what i think chris rock did so well in his special when he got past the you know the bullet point stuff of like i gotta talk about this pop culture stuff and got into his personal life and how his kids are spoiled that is incredibly relatable to a lot of people that they don't want to acknowledge that they're the reason their kids kind of suck sometimes is because they've actually given their kids a very comfortable life and they haven't had to you know that they they furnish them with entitlement and then are mad at them for doing so. I mean, mm. is there anything more boomer than that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that's the irony that a lot of parents don't get. Well, I think a lot of people that just have kids like don't interrogate it in the first place before they do it. They're just yeah. like, this is what you do. And then yeah. you have it and you're like, oh no, I have to make it be a person. Yeah. Uh, but I think that there's like an irony and like, oh, I want to give my kid the best life possible. And it's just like, you're just going to make a terrible person. That's yeah. What you're do there. <laughs> like you should definitely give them like mild trials and tribulations so that they like build character. Right. Like going to the Chris Rock thing. I, yeah. I think it's like, once you stop like mowing your own lawn, like you lose touch. Like yeah. you, you need some level of like toil to keep you grounded as a human being or like, to be able to like relate to normal people. He also had the Will Smith hanging, hanging over his whole fucking hour where it's like everyone, I think watched that going, when are you going to talk about getting slapped? Like, when is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. And so it's like he kind of couldn't win in that regard to defend him in an extent because then he finally got to the Will Smith stuff. And then everyone's like, here it is. He's playing the hit song now. Yeah. Like, we've all been waiting to hear it. Yeah. And so. But, and again, he I think he did a good job with that. Yeah, I, I the only The only problem I really had was, like, the starting off with the cancel culture stuff. And he still did a good job talking about it because I feel like he said the same thing. Like, you're not canceled. Really. Like, he, he, but it just, even hearing that stuff, I'm just like, uh. But. <laughs> Getting into his dating life and and his kids, I thought that was the actual best part, like the best comedy in that special. And uh, that's the you know that's the stuff that I like to see is you know that stuff that walks on that edge of silly, maybe sometimes a little bit heartfelt, uh, can play stupid, but also is deeply rooted in some you know whether it be uh, personal growth or or knowledge. It, I like that. I like yeah. a layered joke for the most part, but I also like something that's just stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same. Like some real I, stupid yeah, shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't always have to be blended for me. I yeah. mean, I'm I'm the kind of, like, I'm into watching, like, a four-hour-long slow cinema movie, but then I'll watch Dumb and Dumber right afterwards. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> like, as long, it, like, you, and it's also about just having expectations. Like, yeah. you, like, go into dumb movies and are like, it's not smart enough. I'm just like, yeah, dude, it's, it's a dumb movie. It's, it's a very dumb movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just watched The Menu for the first time last night. And I that was, loved it. That was a really fun movie. Yeah. That was a, Speaking that of was, expectations. Well, I, again, that was one that I didn't watch the trailer, and I just, like, I had heard enough about it that I was like, I was like, stop telling me things. I just kind of want to go in and watch this. And uh, just what a, I love a fun movie like that. Where it's it's a thriller, it's tense, it's got a sense of humor about itself, and it was just it was such a good time, and I I I'm so mad at myself for not going to see that in theaters, and yeah, I got I like I haven't been going to theaters too. as much Did lately. It go to theaters? It was yeah. in theaters, yeah. yeah. And I'm just so like idea. like 
I should have seen that in the theater because it would have been such a fun experience in the theater. It was, it was real fun with the audience. Yeah. Like, like the audience I was in was loving it, really? especially the really like mean spirited jokes that are yeah. Really yeah. yeah. I I honestly thought when I took when I street like queued it up on my TV, I thought it was like that 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 John Favreau chef movie. But no, idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as a creative person, I cannot fucking stand criticism. Like yeah. I just get an, I get exhausted by criticism from people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Within the first two minutes of this movie, I'm still thinking it's like this like playful romp into a culinary world. Yeah. I just go, I want everyone in this fucking restaurant to die. I was, well. like, I, was like, I want, and I go, and then five minutes later I go, holy shit, this is John Wick and I'm going to get my wish. <laughs> Motherfucker died except the one person yeah. that yeah. served to survive. Yeah. yeah. I, my, my, my letterbox Beautiful review movie. of it is like, I, this is what I wish Glass Onion was. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I don't, I don't dislike Glass Onion. I it think is that is. another food but movie? It's, that's a, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible joke. Uh, no, it's Beatles documentary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's just like I think Ryan Johnson just like didn't go mean spirited enough. There wasn't like an escalation in the stakes. Like I never felt a threat while watching Glass Onion. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was good. I enjoyed it, but like. When I watch the menu, and I'm just like, every single one of these people is so hateable, mm-hmm. and I know it's gonna punish them. Right. And like, I was so excited for that. Because <laughs> yeah. that's what you wanna see in those kind of like ensemble murder mystery dinner party movies. And, and what made it so interesting to me is thinking of how the chef was able to get his staff to be willing to do all that stuff. Like, like writing that backstory in my head and how he had to incrementally get them to do crazier and crazier things so that when it came time to pitch them this idea, they're like, yes, chef, we, we're, we're going to do this for you. And that madness that he shared with them and, and invoked on them, like that adds a whole nother level to it when you like really start to deconstruct that, that film and makes it just so fucked up. But mm-hmm. so fun. I mean, yeah. like everybody's pretty familiar with chef in in kitchen culture. Mm-hmm. I think in this day and age, and I think that's was what I think was the easy sell of that whole conceit, where it's like we've all seen the psychotic chef that's like maniacally detail oriented. Yeah. So it's like by the time that whole kitchen crew and the sous chefs are like a cult saying mm-hmm. yes, chef in unison, I'm like, oh yeah, I know. <laughs> everyone's fucking dying. I yeah. Gotta, like, I'm so excited right now. Yeah, well, and it's a very like salt bay kind of thing where it's like yeah. it doesn't even become about the food. It's just like the the cult of personality and the idea of like I've had this experience. Look at me. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Where like none of these people know what they're talking about. Right. They're going there. They're but these are the only people that can afford meals like this, and yeah. they can't even appreciate it. And. They didn't even. They didn't even try. Yeah. Like it's. It's not even that they could. Like they, they were just like, oh yeah, whatever. Like it just. It's a total. I'm here to be like, here. Like the cri- mm-hmm. critics were like they they were looking for any simple thing that they can say because we have to drag this experience because that's gonna make a more people click on it than uh, if we just go in there and say everything was really good and it was a crazy experience like nobody. That's that's unfortunately the culture that we've gotten into with. All the you know, critics and and uh, what, are, what are reviews and shit like that, where people just they know that if you want to stand out, you got to be the one that didn't like the thing that everybody else liked. Yeah, yeah it's become just an edge lord culture. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. rage bait. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like last week that uh, that that writer 
tweeted about how Meg White was terrible and the White Stripes would be way better if, if they actually had a drummer. And of course, like everyone, the entire world melted down because <laughs> we've lost this ability to just ignore stupid shit. Right. And we just like, you don't have to give credence to opinions, good or bad. Right. It's like, it's it's very much that thing. And it's and it's actually so much better to just go, oh, that was, that was stupid and ignore it than dive into it and be like, well, actually, this is why Meg White is such a great drummer. And he's yeah, just, it's, yeah. Just, well, yeah. it's because everyone wants to dig their heels in so strongly on one side of the fence, regardless of what it is. So anyway, rate and like this podcast and tell <laughs> us why you hate it. If you give us less than five stars, fucking kill yourself. <laughs> fucking mom's a whore. Um, so where can people find some of your work? Where, where, uh, turnstilefilms.com. Turnstilefilms.com. Most of it's housed there. Um, okay. And uh, our previous documentary, Beyond Barricades, is on. Uh, it's streaming on Amazon and on our Vimeo on-demand channel. Awesome. That's very, very, very cool. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Anything that people can help you with? Maybe uh, Kickstarters in the future or something? Or just following you at Turnstile? Yeah, so... Uh, I, I'll try to do this is like a long thing uh, <laughs> Go for it. so April 2nd it's playing at the Grog Shop in Cleveland uh, and then on the 4th it's playing two showings down at the Nightlight in Akron one at 5.30 and one at 8pm uh, all screenings will have Q&A's with me and Justin Pearson okay. uh, Earthquaker Devices out of Akron is like being kind enough to fly him out here so that way he can like do the screenings properly that's really cool uh, yeah it's gonna be sweet uh, the Q&A's are gonna be conducted by uh, Jason Pettigrew who's in the documentary he's the former editor-in-chief of AP Magazine uh, we have and we have another one uh, non-locally we're playing it at St. Vitus in New York uh, along with a couple bands playing that's amazing uh, so, yeah so and I'm really excited there's all this information at turnstile.com uh, it's or? like on our Instagram and, it's on your Instagram and, okay. and so our go, Twitter and stuff like and that and then what's the Instagram then uh, at Turnstile Films, spelled with a Y. Okay. Um, and then my personal account is John Nix Film. Uh, my photography account is John Nix Photo, spelled with an F. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also have a small publishing company that I started this past year. Uh, that I have a few releases coming out from mm-hmm. the next couple months. Uh, Busiest guy I know. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, uh, the website for that is uh, with the next books. Branch gone, diversifying your services <laughs> yeah, at all. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm trying to find ways to not require sleep. Yeah. That's most, that's most. Oh, bro, great work. So, uh, <laughs> quality drops. I need yeah. something that's yeah. not going to burn me out. Um, but yeah, so the website for that is uh, with the next books.com. Okay, so, awesome. And, well, thank you so much for coming by the podcast. I uh, appreciate you stopping in. And uh, I, I think I'm going to try and come to that screening on the April 2nd at the Grog yep. Shop. Uh, love to be at that. And uh, check out John Nix at John Nix Film on Instagram, Instagram Twitter, and Twitter and all that stuff. And uh, thank you guys for checking out the Bill Squire Show. We, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>